we had to construct a better structure. And my idea is the best way that the European Federation could evolve is that we renew this position regularly so that new ideas come. What we all agree on is that it's very interesting to know the technique of Naginata and to practice in the same way. For the aspect of Japanese culture, everybody has to know it, but the interaction with Naginata, I don't think is something that everybody applies in the same way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokushikai Inside Look podcast. Today we're speaking with David Doze from Brussels, Belgium. David has been training for over 27 years in Atarashi Naginata and about 10 years in Tendoryu. David holds the rank of Renshi Godan and has been the president of the European Naginata Federation since 2010. In this wide ranging conversation, we talk about David's beginnings in Naginata, including a trip to the World Championships in Tokyo that coincides with a six month seminar in landscape architecture. We talk about developing Naginata in Belgium and in Europe over the past almost three decades, and the structures and contributions from people that have made it a stable and generous community. So please enjoy this fascinating interview on Naginata and other Japanese arts with David Doze. My name is David Doze. I'm from Belgium. I'm 45 years old and I've been practicing Naginata for 27 years now. I'm a landscape architect, but I'm now working in mobility, trying to improve the traffic in Brussels city. We have a lot of traffic problem in Brussels. <laughs> So, I'm now president of the European Naginata Federation. Besides the practice and the teaching of Naginata, I'm trying to help all the different federations of Europe to find a better way to practice and to organize the different federations of Europe. I'm also the contact with the International Naginata Federation. So, I'm sure no one grows up thinking, I'm going to become the president of the European Naginata Federation. <laughs> well,. Most people who are practicing Naginata and I guess other martial arts are not looking to be into political part of martial art. This is not something that people are looking to. But anyway, this is quite a small community. So we don't have a lot of people practicing Naginata in the world. Since I'm practicing for quite a few years now, I know most of the people in Europe. And as I'm going to most of the international seminars, I've been introduced to lots of people practicing Naginata around the world as well. I guess I know a few people in the Naginata world now.、Mm. So, before we go into that, let's go back to when you were a child. What was growing up like in your city? What got you interested in doing something more active and then leading into Naginata? Yeah, well, I started Naginata in 1993, and I was introduced to it with a member of my family who started Naginata just a year before. And well, there was a European Championship in Brussels in 1992, actually. And that was one of the first ones. And well, it sounds interesting to me because, well, I tried a few martial arts before. But I never really was interested in martial art that you could use to defend yourself. I was more looking for martial art that you can only practice in your dojo. So I've been practicing some karate, well, some things who look like karate, judo, or kung fu, or these k i n d of things. But I regularly meet people who want to learn martial arts to get stronger and to defend themselves when they go out in the street. And I was not looking for these k i n d of things. So, I was looking for a martial art that could be only used in dojo, but that was very complete. 
And I think Naginata is quite a complete martial art because it used the whole part of your body. It's very complete physically, but also mentally. And uh, it was quite interesting to start this as long as, well, you will never use a, a two meters long uh, weapon outside the dojo. And most people you meet in here are passionate people. And it's a bit, I guess it's probably the same kind of thing with Kyudo and Iaido. When you enter this kind of martial arts, you meet people that are passionate with their martial art, but they never think about learning something to use outside the dojo. And it's something that you learn to develop the physical, but your mind and your concentration, these kind of things. And also beside it, there's a little fighting part when you, you put a bogu, which when I start at 18 years old, sounds interesting to me as well. So I could do a technical part and a fighting part. But that was one of the reasons why I started. But it was a very small group of people. There were only five people doing it in Belgium at that time. So 27 years ago is a long time, but I want to see if you can remember, what was that initial step into that dojo like? Could you describe what was your initial feeling about the art? And, and then gradually in that time, when did it become something that you would regularly do? Of course, the feeling about the martial art changed from year to year. At first, it was more like an interesting hobby to me. And as nobody knows it, it was interesting to do something that nobody do. So it was interesting to, and I've been always interested in Japanese culture. I was doing bonsai since I was 15 years old and was always interested in Japanese culture. So at the beginning, we were lucky in Brussels because we had the people from the Japanese embassy who were training with us. Some people who knew the technique of Naginata would help us to start in a strong basis. And what helped me to get more involved in Naginata is as long as we were small groups, we could participate to all the international competition. In 1995, we were invited to the, the first world championship in Japan. And that was just amazing for us because we've been in the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. I don't know if you, you've seen this before, but it was just amazing to be there. And there were people from all around the world practicing Naginata. And we've been just in the middle of It's just like participating to the Olympic Games for us. And I used that opportunity to, to do my landscape architecture seminar. And I stayed in, in Tokyo for six months at that moment, doing my landscape architecture seminar. And beside, I trained in a dojo in Tokyo with a very famous Japanese sensei. And that's helped me to get a, a strong basis in Naginata and to meet lots of people who were practicing it in Japan. So it helped me also to being more and more interested in, in Naginata. And when I came back after six months, well, I was more involved in it. So some people in Belgium asked me to teach Naginata what I've learned there. So I had two sides. I was learning in a way, but I was also teaching in another way. So the person who asked me to start Naginata was teaching with me to a group of, ch of children. And beside of that, we were learning from other people, different international seminar. 
but the, the grade of most people in Europe was not very high. So I was shodan at that period, and I believe the higher grade we could find in Europe were in France at that moment, and they were not higher than Godan or, or maybe one Renshi at that moment, but not no more. So whenever we could find some, some advice, it was only at international seminar. So, so we tried to get more information from seminar and we were joining holidays and seminar from year to year. Unfortunately, the size of the Belgian Federation didn't really increase a lot. So we were 10 or 20 people at the moment, and we are not more than 30 now. So within 25 years, the Belgian Federation didn't grow a lot. It's about the same for lots of federations in Europe, actually. I don't know about Kudo, but in Naginata, the federations are not growing up a lot. But it's a bit the same in Japan, actually. The Japanese, is, uh, the Naginata is not very famous, so it doesn't bring a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always the case when we're comparing to some of the more popular arts like Judo or Karate. It's relatively small and it still makes it nice to get to know people. Like, I wouldn't be able to do this if we weren't small enough to be able to have these conversations. But I want to go back to when you said your first trip to Japan was also the first time you stayed there for six months. What did you do to arrange that? Like, did you understand Japanese? Did you have connections there through the university? Could you talk about that connection and how did you spend those six months? I was doing my studies in landscape architecture in Belgium, and I had to do a seminar for these studies. And I had a contact in France who did a book over Japanese garden. And I contact that person and ask him if he could help me to have a link with a Japanese landscape architect. And he helped me to find a contact in Japan. So at that period, we didn't have the internet and these kind of things. So everything was through phones and mail. So I had a contact with that person in Japan. And luckily that person was speaking English and even a little French. So, so I had a seminar in Tokyo on Omote Sando Road for six months in landscape architecture. It was not paid, <laughs> but that was the, the start. And I planned to have that seminar just after the world championship, who was starting in July 1995. And when we had the championship, just afterward, we had a little seminar in Yamagata. And during the, the seminar in Yamagata, I asked someone to introduce me to a Japanese sensei so that I could have a place to train in Japan. So this was made in Japan. And well, I guess you've been, you've been in Japan as well, but at that period, it was not going through web mail or internet. Everything was done frontally. You had to discuss with people and uh, yeah, it was not so easy. I guess it's not so easy now, but uh, it was some kind of challenge, but I have good memories of this. And well, the sensei who received me in Tokyo received me really well. And it was also a good opportunity to meet other people in the, in the dojo. Most of people who were practicing there were Japanese people, but there was one American guy, uh, makes cost, maybe you heard about him and he was a really good company as well. So we had some discussion and I had a good time there. Hmm. Any particular like specific memory you have from that time that you remember fondly? 
from that training? Well, you know, I was only practicing Naginata for two and a half, maybe three years. So when I trained in that dojo, I, I've met a lot of people. But a few years after, I remember things that I've seen there that I didn't have the opportunity to do. And afterward, I, I just thought... If I had a better experience, maybe I could have correct or improved things that I didn't knew before. I don't know if I'm clear, but I had a very low level when I went there. So I was just discovering a lot of things. And so they were really nice with me, but I thought it would have been much more interesting as well to go back there two years after with more experience to ask other questions and to have more focused questions. But anyway, still, it was good to have basis from that trip. And beside Naginata, I've seen all the gardens of Kyoto more or less, and that was an amazing trip as well. Of course, I went back in Japan several times afterwards. So... I'm just wondering, do you look at these gardens in Japan in a different way? Like normal people can maybe appreciate some of the beauty, but because it's part of what you were studying, what did you see in there compared to other things that you've done? Well, one of them, for example, the Saihoji, the moss garden, when you enter that garden, you, when you are studying the garden, you realize that it's just reproducing nature environment. And it's just amazing. Uh, I was visiting it during autumn and it's full of color on the moss. And I was there with a group of people who didn't realize the beauty of that place. So they went through it and just look around and say, well, okay, this is just like a, a little forest. And they went through it and didn't look at it, just take a few pictures and and when you know what time it takes to make this kind of thing, you just stop and you are amazed of what they do in this kind of place. But anyway, this was the same with Katsura Villa, uh, Katsura Rikyu. I don't know if you know that it's one of the emperor. This is one of the most amazing places I've seen also. But if you have an opportunity to see that one, you should see that one. Those are the two ones I preferred, Saihoji and Katsura Rikyu. Hmm. So I have no idea how to appreciate something like this or to understand it. Could you give maybe one example of something that you were saying looks very simple and basic and natural, but it takes a lot of work to do? Is there What's an example of something like that? Hmm. Well, the moss garden is, imagine a place full of moss with three, what is in English, acer, palm tree. Anyway, those three that are colorful in, your, in autumn. And what they do with this moss area if you want to keep them clean without anything that is not supposed to be there, but have an impression of natural, you have to make sure that the, the plants are not developing all around and expand too fast and too much on, on the moss and around the moss. And when the leaves are going on the moss every day, they have to take them off because if they are staying on it, they will rot and it will get all the place ugly after, after a few days. So I'm sure that they have to maintain the place a few hours every day to get it as nice as it is. But it's not easy to explain. And, and in both gardens, they look young and fresh, but they are a few hundred years old. So it makes those areas very amazing because of that. In Katsura Rikyu, there are some old trees that are maintained as old bonsais, but yeah, but it's difficult to express. Uh, 
No, that's quite clear. I could totally see that if you want to set up an area that looks really nice, so you have the moss on the ground, you have the trees that change color right behind it or right next to it, but you have to deal with the fact that when the trees change color, the leaves also fall down. So now, how do you make sure that the moss doesn't rot, as you were saying, while yeah. also having these things coincide? Because it's, well, it's something for people to see. I've never worked in, a, in such kind of garden, but I can imagine how much work it takes to keep them like that. <laughs> okay, so you came back from Japan, and that was probably a quite significant impact on your Naginata, or just your life in general. What would be the next major impactful experience that you've had within the Naginata practice? Well, the fact that I started teaching to a group of children when I came back, and beside of that, the, the fact that I, I was still learning. But when you start teaching to a group of children, it's not easy because you have to, in a sense, find a way to keep their attention <laughs> and also find a way to teach them Naginata so that they improve and learn more and more the Naginata. And the good way with that group is that they were already friends all together. So they were happy to come so that they were coming in group and they were somehow playing with each other. And Naginata was some kind of things that they used to doing some kind of, not fight, but uh, interaction. So we were managing this little group and they stayed with, with us for, well, most of them stay with us for about 20 years now. And this is what makes the Belgium group quite well known in Europe, actually. As I've been training for a long time, lots of them stayed with them with my brother. And most of them were their friends and they stayed together. And there is now four of them that are still practicing. And some of them became best fighters in Europe. So they are now winning most of the European championship. But what makes me feeling in interested in this experience is that I was first teaching to them. And through the years, they became my opponent in Naginata when we practice Shiai. And more and more they learn, they get experience and they became a teacher as well. So, because now some of them are Yondan or Bodan. Now we are sharing our experience. And one day when we practice together, one came to me and say, oh, maybe you should do that like that. And it's very strange that when I came back from Japan, I give advice to these guys and I teach them how to practice Naginata. And after 10 years, one of them came to me and say, hey, you should do this like that. And maybe you should improve that in, in your Naginata. And it's a very good experience because you have to accept the advice coming from your students that have evolved, get experience and become one day a teacher. And I realized that it's, you have to be ready to listen to everybody. And from that day, I thought that all the people around me were the ones that could give me not only advice, but help me to improve my practice, even the beginners, because some people see in your practice things that you don't see. And sometimes, well, even if their advice are not the good ones, it's interesting to learn from what they say. And I realized also that from other teachers, when they become teachers, they're not ready to listen to everyone. Some people, when they become teacher, they believe that they should be the one to talk, but not, they are not ready to listen anymore. 
And that's a problem. And that's something I'm trying to avoid when I'm going to seminars or when I'm going to international meeting. I'm trying to help everyone to talk with each other. Mm. Yeah, it's so important to listen when someone has something to say, because you never know where something important, where you can learn something. But then when you're seeking out feedback, when you're looking for advice, when you're looking for someone to help you with something, who do you go to? And could you talk about these people? Well, for that, I'm lucky in, in Belgium, because as I told you, we have a, a group of four and five people that have a good level and have the opportunity to go in different seminar. And so whenever we need answers for different things in our practice, we ask to each other questions. I'm probably the one who have more problem because as I've been practicing for the longest time and I have the highest grade in Europe now, there are lots of people who are not talking to me or who are not giving me any advice, even if they see something in my practice because they think that this is not respectful or this is not their job to do it. So, well, this is Japanese mind, I guess, since they're supposed to be looking practice and giving advice, but student is not supposed to talk to sensei on another way. Even if, if I'm going to a seminar with Japanese students that are Sandan or Yondan, some of them are coming to me to ask uh, an advice. But those students are practicing much more than me. So I'm sure that their practice is probably have a better level than me. So I would be the one asking them a question, but they will probably not answer to me. But they will probably say, I don't know. They will answer, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> they will move back. So being a teacher in Naginata is not easy because you have to look for advice, but you don't. Well, it's not easy to find an advice because most of people won't tell you any advice. If someone, say, Yondan Godan, were to see you, David Do-sensei, at a seminar and see something, how would you advise them approach you to give you some feedback? I would probably practice, go to the, not during the seminar, but during the free practice part. I would go to the free practice part and do some free practice with someone and ask some advice at that moment. But during a seminar is a little different because I will rely on the Japanese sensei. And don't worry, the Japanese sensei will probably give me advice. Or, But when I was Yondan or Godan, it was not a big problem. But now that I'm Renshi, it's a little different because the Japanese sensei will probably never tell me that I'm doing something wrong in front of other people. They will eventually talk about this apart because there's a lot of formal things that they shouldn't do in front of other people. So this might be a problem. You know, in the past, when we had only French people that were Renshi, and I was president of European Naginata Federation, during a seminar, I invite the French Renshi during a free practice to practice with Japanese sensei so that they had an opportunity to improve themselves because during a seminar, they are asked to train European people, which is somehow a problem for them because they don't have a lot of opportunity to improve themselves. And uh, yeah, so when you reach a certain level, it's not easy to improve. So some people will not step over some rank so that because they are afraid not to receive advice anymore. 
But anyway, one of the reasons why I went through the Renshi examination is because I want, well, I had my Godan for a few years and I am president of this federation. I think that Europe has to move forward and the different federations need to move forward. And I'm sure other people will do the same. We have other people in Europe that will move forward in the same way because we need examples. We need these kind of things. And, and so this is one of the reasons why I did it. And we need a shimpan. This is something missing in Europe. And the world of Naginata is a little small. So, yeah. So these are some of the problems we have in, in Naginata world. It's a little small and we, we need uh, more people to come. I don't know how you, you do in Kyudo to increase the world of practitioners, but in Naginata it's very difficult. Actually, I interviewed a French Kyudo sensei recently, but France is huge in Kyudo. They have like over 3,000 practitioners. I wow. can't, I know. So yeah, I asked her a little bit about that and she was saying competition is a big thing. Separating some of the traditional aspects and adding some modern aspects to it helps. Yeah, I don't know what some of these other things, but when you decided that, okay, I think that you need to help European Naginata grow and develop a little more, what was your thinking in, in terms of becoming the president of this federation? And then what is the president able to do to make this happen? That's another story. <laughs> Actually, the European Federation had a guy from Japan who helped to start developing at the beginning. He was living in France. His name was Mr. Kondo, but he was not practicing Naginata. And at one moment, he went back to Japan and left the Federation of Naginata. But at that moment, he asked me to be the general secretary of the European Federation. And when he left, we didn't have a very good structure in the European Federation. So we had to construct a better structure. And we had a new president when he left. And that president stayed for a few years in order to create a structure. When that president left, I took her place because actually nobody wants that place. <laughs> That's the real reason, honestly. And my idea is the best way that the European Federation could evolve is that we renew this, this position regularly so that new ideas come. But there's so few people in, in the Federation that we cannot do that. It's very difficult. So we renew the board regularly and luckily we have a nice board for the moment and I'm thanking them. <laughs> but unfortunately, whenever one of them doesn't want to stay anymore, it's very difficult to find another one because uh, most of the people who are practicing Naginata doesn't want to be part of the board because they don't want to do anything else than practicing Naginata, which I can understand. But what can I do as a president? Find a good idea to make sure that new members of the federation are well-structured. So new countries have a federation with status, with structure within their country, and find good ideas to help renew Naginata within Europe. And well, what did I do when I was uh, general secretary and president? For example, I decided that European championship had to happen every two years. In the past, it was whenever we had time. Now it's every two years. And when we don't have a European championship, we have a seminar. And we try to get things more clear like this one. So good ideas to promote Naginata is things that we are looking for as well. But it's not easy. 
it's not easy because I guess people are more involved in their local federation, which I can understand. And then whenever we even try to have a report of every local federation to the European Federation so that we spread the information to all the different federations, it's very difficult to get those reports. So this is something, yeah. Anyway, we are keeping a lot of energy in this and some federations are very good to send back their reports so that we can have information and spread information. Some federations very close and don't want to spread information. So anyway, and with this little COVID thing that we have for the moment, it's even more difficult because everybody is very close and cannot train. So there's a lot of countries for the moment who are just not training anymore. We hope that will be a little better within one year or two. And yeah, some federations are completely linked to the Kendo Federation and some are just outside the, and have their independent Naginata Federation. So I've always found that interesting. How does that differ in terms of how you communicate with them or how you see them structured or how Naginata is developed in that country when they are either part of a larger federation or standalone? Well, we don't ask them to be independent or part of the other structure, but we ask them to have a structured federation so that whenever they want to join the European Federation, we can send them a, a clear message and they can send us a clear message from one place, from one structure. And whenever someone is asking to practice Naginata in their country, they will rely on that federation and they will not create another little structure that will be two or three federations within one country, which will create a problem for us uh, and for them as well. So the main idea, whenever a federation is created somewhere, is that federation is the point where everybody should rely on concerning Naginata for that country. And of course, the most easiest thing to do in most countries is to rely on a bigger federation that already exists, like Kendo or eventually something else. And there are a lot of uh, places that is like Italy, France, they rely on the biggest federation that already exists, which is the Kendo Federation. But in Belgium, for example, it's completely independent. Belgium already tried to regroup with the Kendo Federation, but Kendo Federation cannot open to Naginata because their status closed. And if they have to rewrite their status, it will create some problem for them. We, have, we already talked about that with them. And anyway, that's political issue. <laughs> Okay, so we're talking about the organization, we're talking about you being president, and that was kind of motivation for you to get your Renshi. Can you talk about that Renshi examination? How did you prepare for it? What, what was it like leading up to that test? And then what do you remember from that period? So I did my examination in 2017. So what do I remember? Well, I prepared it a lot, <laughs> at least a year before I, I was really involved in it. First, my question was, am I ready for it or not? And so I went to different seminars before in, in Europe and in the International Federation, asking Japanese sensei their advice and asked them if I was ready to do a Renshi examination. And as soon as they give me advice, what to improve and what to do, just think about it and say, okay, I will do it, but I will do it not only for me, 
but also for my federation, my club, and the European Federation, the other people. That was the main idea. So I trained several, I don't remember how much, but several days a week, not only on my own, but with people from my club who came with me in the evening to train a few hours because you have to... You have to know very, very well the Ikakeoji and the Zenyon Kata. I, I guess you, I've seen the, the presentation you did. You know the technique in Naginata you have. And actually, the technique has to be more and more precise when you go to the different grade. So I guess the Godan is the Godan examination is really difficult because you have to know all the techniques and do the Bogu practice as well. So this is some kind of very big step to do. Going for Renshi is not only doing those techniques, but you have also written an exam, but it's a step that you cross to be a teacher. So the sensei, when they see you doing this, this exam, they see how precise and how good is your shikake and your zenyon technique but they probably have to have seen you before and know who you are and how long have you been practicing and so the exam itself is impressive because there's not a lot of people doing it and it's in front of a large group of sensei in a small room and it's not very long compared to good and examination that where you have much more things to do, but you have to be very precise in what you're doing. So all the preparation was much more impressive than the exam itself for me, because it was going over a step and I was much more waiting over, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? I was much more thinking of, should I go for it or not? And then when I took the decision, I was going for it and train a lot, but the exam was not very long and it was, I think, much faster than the, the Godan exam. I, I was only in Japan for that <laughs> a week and I was received by Alex Bennett, who's a guy deeply involved in martial art. I'm sure you have heard about him. And he helped me to go to the, the place where I did this exam. Luckily, because finding an address in Japan is a big problem. <laughs> And uh, it was, well, I don't have lots of things to say about it. I mean, just doing the exam was maybe one hour and it's more the preparation that was hard. The exam itself was not, it was just going through one hour and then finish and waiting for the, the results with anxiety. Some people are just wondering if before going there, you already know that you will have it or not because you are stressed or not. The stress is probably one of the reasons that you will get it or not. The stress, yeah. I don't know about Kyudo and, and Kendo, but Naginata is, well, I know for Kendo, but Naginata is, um, is expensive as well. You have to pay a lot for your exams. For Godan, there's uh, only two exams a year in Japan, in Naginata. And for Renshi and Kyoshi, there's only one a year, I think. And you can only go in Japan for those exams. And that's also a problem. We, we've discussed a lot with the International Federation who have Godan exam outside Japan, but they never accept it. Well, the Japanese Federation never accepted, actually. Um, Renshi exams, it's a thousand euro, just the price of it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's yeah. the price of your flight. Yeah, well, and you have to add the price of your flight as well. But anyway, from there, uh, the next one is the Kyoshi. So seven dan Kyoshi exam, 
but there's a matter of time in between of them. I think you have to wait seven years. So maybe in seven years, I'll try the next one. Yeah. Okay. We're approaching the, the end of this. Hopefully it's just the first of many interviews. Because Renchi is like a milestone you've gotten, it kind of means something. It means that you've put in a lot of effort and commitment into really understanding a little bit more about what these arts are about. But you've also done some other types of art. Like you talked about bonsai, you talked about their landscape architecture. As you've been developing Naginata and also these other interests, how have you seen them inform each other and help you understand them a little more? You mean relation between it? Yes, between these other arts and interests that you have. Hmm. Well, the culture in Japan is clearly helping to understand the, the way to practice your martial art. So whenever you practice, you are interested in another part of the culture of Japan, like the tea ceremony or the bonsai art, it certainly helps you to understand the way you have to practice your martial art. The precision, the way to focus to do everything in a very strict way or in a very deep way, all these kind of things, and the, the, the meditation around a different part of the practice, it certainly helps you to understand how to practice your martial art. And also, whenever you are living for a while in Japan, you, you understand that the way people live have an impact on the, 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 the way they practice their, art, their martial arts. So the fact that they have to respect each other in some way, the, the fact that they go around the sensei in, in the dojo, the fact that they salute in some way or these kind of things, this is much more, to me, it's much more linked to the general culture of Japanese people than the martial art themselves. It's, and the fact that they respect all the people and we don't have the same culture in Europe or in other places in the world, I think. And in Japan, to come back to old people, for them, an old people is someone that has more knowledge and is supposed to be respected in some way. And the sensei is the person that has the knowledge and that you have to salute and respect and ask questions in some way. And even the way in the way they, they talk, they have different way to be polite in the way they talk and all these aspects in the culture is reflected in the, the way they practice martial art I believe and either you know that and you accept that in the way you practice but in our dojo for example we explain these to people but we don't necessarily tell them you have to act this way. We don't do that necessarily in our dojo because for us, this is Japanese culture, but it's not world culture. So we practice Naginata. So we tell people how to do technique in Naginata, fighting in Naginata. We tell them how to salute and how Japanese people live. What is interaction between Japanese culture and practice in Naginata? But on the other hand, we also tell them Japanese person or Japanese sensei will react to you in that way outside the dojo in the same way inside the dojo because it's in his culture and in his way of thinking. So you better be careful not to do this because that person is reacting in his day life in that way. And it's good to know everybody's culture in somehow because some person are not affected in the different 
things. For example, doing this is pointing with your finger. Some people think it's very impolite and some other people don't really care about it. And English people believe that Americans can be very impolite in the way they talk and in the way they, they drink compared to English people. I guess everybody has different kinds of culture, but you have to be aware of that whenever you... And this is one of the reasons why International Naginata Federation, I think, is interesting to be in, because you are practicing not a way, in an open mind way, but what we all agree on, it's that is very interesting to know the technique uh, of Naginata and to practice Bogu in the same way. For the aspect of Japanese culture, everybody, everybody has to know it, but the interaction with Naginata, I don't think this is something that everybody applies in the same way. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because when you have so many different people and cultures that come together and use Naginata as that common language in order to interact and to find some common ground so you can build strong relationships and good relationships, otherwise there would be no reason for one person from Japan and one person from Belgium and one person from South America or Africa to be in the same room together and to share something that they all love to do. So it's great. So to wrap this up, I'd like to ask you some quick questions more on the casual side and see how you react to them. Are you a cat person or a dog person and why? <laughs> yeah, I read that on your thing. I'm a cat person. But um, probably more but because the cat is independent. Uh, and I had cat in the past. And when I'm coming back home, I'm not looking for the cat. He's wherever he wants. And when he comes to me, it's good for me. And I'm just giving him the food and he eats it whenever he wants. <laughs> so low maintenance. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I have uh, nothing against dog, but I'm, I think I'm more a cat person. If someone were to open your YouTube account, when you look, look at a lot of videos, it'll say, oh, you like these videos, why don't you see these other ones? So in the homepage, what does YouTube show you as videos that you might want to watch? Oh, okay. So I, I have, well, I have lots of, lots of martial arts uh, videos, of course, but I have news videos that will appear and also fun videos with, you know, uh, videos of all problems that people have that are filmed, like uh, people uh, falling down or things just, I don't know how you, you would call that, but so whenever, whenever something is filmed and someone is falling with his keys or, or these kind of videos, sometimes I'm watching these kind of things as well. I think the colloquial term is fail compilations. Yeah, these well. Do you have a motto or a quote that you like to live by and you would like to share here? Yeah, so my quote was always listen to advice from whomever it comes. Well, this was linked to what I talked to you before. It's always good to listen to the advice that comes from the senseis, but it's good to listen to the advice that comes from the student as well. Hmm. Thank you. I, I think that's great advice to share. Before we wrap this up, do you have anything else that you want to say to the audience, people that are Naginata practitioners or even non-Naginata practitioners that are listening to this? Is there something that you want to share? 
Well, one thing that I, I probably want to to say is um, very proud of what Naginata World in Europe has become because when I start, there were probably a few people that were starting as I would say the roots of Naginata, and uh, there are a few people beside me that start at the same time, and we were probably the the first few trees in Naginata at that moment. And all the people that you have already talked to now, and most of the people in Europe are now the branches and the leaves of Naginata in Europe. And it's good to see that the, the Naginata is developing now, and we have 12 federations in the European Federation, and there are still more to come. So I'm just happy to see them, and, and sure they will continue, even if we all practice home for the moment. <laughs> I will be happy to see them at the next European Championship. Thank you. Thank you for doing all the work that you do to help spread Naginata, being focused on your own practice, so being a good role model as a practitioner, as a teacher, and also as a leader in the organization. I hope you can find more people that will help you out with this work because it's not easy and, and you, you can use all the help. Thank you. Thank you for calling me. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is available on most common podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Remember to subscribe to not miss out on new interviews as they are posted. We're always looking for feedback to improve, so please write us a review or drop us a line at podcast at tokushikai.ca or on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada. Until next time, thanks for listening.